FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains huge spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 3. Hundred of the podcast that goes snicked. Snicked. Woohoo! Three hundred. This is so hard to believe. <laughs> and we are your incredulous host, Jason and Denise Venable, here to celebrate. I think I need a dictionary. What did you just say? Incredulous. I've never heard that word. <laughs> Probably shouldn't admit that <laughs> live on the podcast. I mean, I've heard some interesting words before, but I've never heard that one. What does yeah, it mean? Like interesting. That's an interesting word. So wait, it means interesting? No, no. Incredulous oh. means like we find it hard to believe. Oh. My favorite strange word is crapulous. Crapulous? Yeah. Have you heard of that word? No. It's not made up either. You can look it up in Webster's Dictionary. It means to wallow in your own stupidity. Very timely. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, we are here, 300 episodes, and we're going to really celebrate the the return of Wolverine. We're going to celebrate, and I can't even drink. (laughs) (laughs) We have an X-23 catch-up. We have some Old Man Logan catch-up. Oh my goodness, is he not dead yet? Lots of cameos. No, no, we'll, we'll come up to Dead Man Logan. And we talked about that on the show? Yes, we have. Okay. (laughs) oh boy the baby's out I don't know what's doing this now (laughs) oh my (laughs) and wouldn't it be an episode without Denise losing her marbles (laughs) (laughs) okay I'm good I should have gotten you to do a uh, voice work for Arkham Asylum. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag not helping. <laughs> but before we get to the comics, and we have lots of comics to get to. 300 episodes of this. <laughs> Not quite. No, but I wanted to uh, to say a few things about about episode three hundred because I mean, I'm pretty damn proud of it to be honest. I mean, the fact that we made it three hundred episodes, six years. Um, you know, it's also oh our sixth gosh, sixth six anniversary years. of doing this podcast from from me just kind of saying, "Hey, I'd like to do a podcast for like the first nine episodes," and kind of. Figuring it out and then starting to have guests on and then eventually kind of somehow, uh, have you ever seen the movie Entrapment? Somehow I got uh, Denise to, <laughs> to join me on the podcast. Um, and it had lots of interesting guests and, and made lots of friends, but I don't know. I, I'm, I've stayed focused for the most part. <laughs> you can call what our, you can call our content focused, but, um, our banter. Yeah, our banter. But I'm just, I'm, I'm excited that, that we've, I've been able to do it this long and to keep talking about Wolverine and, and or X-Men, um, you know, and 
you know, we'll talk a minute about kind of what I appreciate about it and get out of it. But now, do I just say, you know, I don't self-aggrandize a lot, and I don't. I mean, we do kind of our plugs at the end, but I don't. I don't talk about that a whole lot. But I mean, three hundred. I mean, it's a pretty big deal, and I'm pretty proud of it. And I just wanted to take that kind of extra push to, if anybody wants to, to share this episode, wants this out, you know you know kind of spread the word about it get it out there it'd be really really appreciated kind of yeah you know you say hey look at these guys they've been going six years 300 episodes all about wolverine and the x-men um do you know we've been going half of ethan's life (laughs) i have yeah so are we gonna keep going till ethan graduates college we're gonna go until i don't feel like doing it anymore so i don't think that's actually going to ever happen maybe not Action Comics just had a thousand comics. Maybe we'll have a thousand episodes. Oh wow, that's a that's not in twenty years. No. Yeah, yeah, right. Let's see, six years is three hundred. Yeah, Emmett will yeah, go to college. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh so, gosh, we'll see. I just had our we'll see if Podbean. That'll be my challenge. I'm gonna try to break Podbean <laughs> on how many episodes they can support. Interesting. <laughs> But um, but yeah. So Denise, um, you know, at some point, like I said, I tricked you into coming on. But you've been doing it for a while, and uh-huh. kind of the dynamic is when you came on, kind of blind to comics. Yes, knew some of the properties, some of the characters, but had never really read any comic books. And so, except for Walking the, Dead. Yeah, you had started reading some of that. Yeah. Right. Um, I don't want you to make it sound like I was a complete comic. Oh, person. she's a noob. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I just I would like to get your perspective over the last few years that you've been doing this. Like, I don't know. I hope you enjoy it. But like, what does it kind of mean to you? And how has kind of seeing the characters on the printed page and in, in kind of the comic continuity? How's that? I don't know. What, I guess what do you think about it? You can kind of take a step back from like our issues and just kind of look at overall kind of how how your experience has been. Um, okay, you should have thrown this question at me, like, you know. I want it raw. Wow, okay. (laughs) So for all you listeners out there, my raw answer has no train of thought, so follow along the best you can. (laughs) Um, gosh, there's so many things. So the first thing I want to say is I am enamored and in awe of how this podcast has brought people together um, and not just brought them together, but almost like a sense of family. Yeah. Um, I really love that, you know, we have fans like Dan and Georgie and everybody else out there that, I can't think of right now because um, they don't interact with me. Right. Dan and Georgie interact with me on Twitter. Um, but I love the fact that there are times when, you know, you'll come home and you'll say, hey, I need a podcast with so-and-so or I'm going to do a podcast with so-and-so. Does this time work? And it always makes my heart feel really good because you're sharing something with someone else. And if this podcast wasn't there and existed, then that 
level of love and sharing would not be there. Um, so one, I love that it's an outlet for you, but two, you've made some great friends like along the way. And I don't always listen to the episodes where it's just you and your other cohorts. <laughs> when I podcast cheat on you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I have, so I don't, th- there's a particular moment in mine where you were podcasting with Dan and Georgie and Dan was explaining something that had happened to him. And I don't know if it actually made it to the podcast or not, or if you had cut it out. I think I'm, no, I think, it, I think it came across pretty much completely intact. Okay. But I remember I interrupted. I wasn't invited on that one. <laughs> um, and I was invited. It's just, you know, someone's got to, someone's got to take care things. of the Ollie. Right. <laughs> um, but I got really emotional because of this thing that Dan had gone through and I actually interrupted and apologized like that he had to go through that. Um, and that exists because of the people who listen to the show and because they interact with us. And, you know, as much as we keep certain parts of our life private, you know, we're very public about other parts in our life. Hashtag toddler life. <laughs> um, and so... I love that. I love that there was an, a level of intimate sharing between the people you brought on so much so that it I had to interrupt and tell Dan I was so sorry for what he had gone through and apologized for anything that he might ever go through <laughs> in that same situation um, because it wasn't he didn't ever need to do, go through that, but I, I digress. But so for me, you know, coming into this, I thought this was going to be more about sharing art. And in reality, we share a passion for what we love about the comics while also sharing our lives and experiencing life through other people's eyes. Um, it's kind of eye-opening, especially... Um, talking to Dan and Georgie who live, you know, like <laughs> opposites. Right. Yeah. We're like the middle. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and I love that. And I love, you know, you've had people who point blank ask, you know, well, how do y'all deal with this? Or what's the story of that? And I, I enjoy that they ask questions and want to get to know us, but I also, enjoy it's not just they're wanting to be a voyeur into our lives they they truly care about um us and we care about them um so i love that aspect of the podcast and the, the sense of family and i also love that you have made um ethan a part of this podcast you know yeah. there's there's episodes out there excuse to get him back on soon yeah if he even wants to yeah <laughs> Yeah, well, I, and there's a, actually a Ghost Rider story coming up from the 90s uh, in our flashbacks pretty soon. So we'll, we'll, we'll get him on there for that. Ethan's dancing. Yeah, he's he's dancing. excited about it. <laughs> um, but I, I love that, you know, you didn't just share it with me and, and the people out there. You shared it with Ethan and, you know, and I love that you have stuck to your guns, you know, wanting to make this so that, you know, 
if Ethan ever went back and listened to the old episodes, we wouldn't have to go, oh, okay, so, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I'm trying to keep it mostly all ages and with the with the skew towards PG-13, I guess. And um, Yeah, but I, I guess that's what I love about it is it'd be so easy with episode 300 for you to be like, whatever, I'm just going to leave it in there. I don't feel like <laughs> editing it out. Um, or, you know, there are times where you and I have gone on a banter rage and you're like, uh, you really want to go down this rabbit hole? You know, like, or just FYI, I'm going to cut this out, you know, because I, I do, I get on my, <laughs> why do they have to have big boobs commentary? <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, you should be on the next one with me and Georgie and Dan. We talk about Domino. Oh no. <laughs> anyway. Um, so I love that. But the other thing that I, I truly love in all of this is, and I know Ethan's wandering around here, so he's going to hear this story. And I hope he listens to this story so that one day when he has kids, he'll remember this. Um, some little idiot in his kindergarten class told him he wasn't a good reader. And so he struggled with the fact, or he struggled with his self-confidence of being able to read at the level that he should be reading at. And for the life of me, I didn't know how to give him the self-confidence that he needed to read the little books that the school, you know, made him go home and read. Um, and Jason came up with a brilliant idea, and that was to incorporate comic books into his reading because he was reading without knowing he was reading because it had pictures in it. And it wasn't like the books that he would bring home from school. And Jason made a very conscious effort to pick out books that Ethan would enjoy and love. And to this day, I thought that was the most brilliant idea I've ever seen. And Ethan is a brilliant reader now. And he has the confidence to, to read anything. Um, and that's the one thing that I hope people who listen to this podcast take away is that you can do anything. And sometimes comics and comic books are what allow us to go down that rabbit hole and mentally go through hurdles that maybe you didn't think you could get through so that you can overcome whatever it is that you're struggling with. Um, there are a lot of comic books especially in the the flashback comics I think I've been on one or two and I I left with a sense of whoa that was moving because even though it was written in the 70s or the 80s there is a strong political stance with that and it there's a lesson in it and you know now granted not every comic book is going to have a lesson in it <laughs> right but um it is a great platform for kids to learn about when you're faced with, you know, what doing something that's easy or doing something that's right and hard. Um, how do you take the high road? You know, not all the characters do take the high road, but they learn something in the end. And I guess that's kind of what I, I have enjoyed embarking on this comic book tour is <laughs> seeing these characters develop. And yes, I have characters that I can't stand and they've never developed in my head um, and they're awful and they should be killed off <laughs> Jean Grey um, she just got that <laughs> she can go away <laughs> um, no but I 
And yeah, I should give her a chance, but I'm not. <laughs> um, but I have enjoyed seeing, you know, Iceman. I, I've really enjoyed seeing him grow and develop into the character that he is now. Um, and, and other little things. I, I loved Kitty's little stint with uh, Star-Lord. And yeah. miss that. Yeah. And it's funny because, you know, when you when I first started reading, I didn't have an emotional connection to these characters. And then, you know, when I got to the books where Kitty and Star-Lord are together, I was like, oh, I love them as a couple. And I'm like, but they're not real. <laughs> <laughs> but I love them as a couple. Right. I love X-23 and Angel as a couple. Oh, um, I do. I know. Yes. Yeah, I'm an imaginary shipper, as Ethan puts it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's kind of what I love. I love that this has been an outlet for Jason um, to get his... Nerd on. Yeah, I was trying to come up with a like a Dumbledore, <laughs> like in Supernatural. Oh. Um, and I couldn't think of anything <laughs> off the cuff. But um, I don't know. I have loved that you've had another outlet and an outlet that you and I can share, you know, we don't get to really share the musical side of your talents. Um, so this is something that I've enjoyed sharing with you as much as Georgie jokes. He can hear my eyes rolling <laughs> on the podcast. And we joke that I read these things like, you know, five minutes before we go on, it makes it sound like I'm completely disinterested in this. I've actually really enjoyed several books. And then there have been books that oh, I yeah. thoroughly yeah. not enjoyed. Right. And, have rolled my eyes on um but i think that's the beauty of it and i've enjoyed just experiencing different art and saying oh i really enjoyed this but i didn't enjoy it in this way um anyway i'm i can ramble on for hours so i'm gonna stop my rambles (laughs) and just sum up that i've loved the family our time together how comic books can change your lives when you allow them to and what a great outlet for little kids who are struggling to read fair enough yeah I would echo a lot of that um you know definitely have have made a lot of you know podcast relationships with people but a lot of those have turned into like real genuine friendships you know people that you know, not just come on the podcast, but like we interact and talk about other stuff too. And, you know, have become Facebook friends or, or, or text or, you know, send messages to each other or whatever. Like it's, it's been really fun to see that family grow. You know, you mentioned Georgie and Pat or Georgie and uh, Dan, you know, Pat, Cameron, obviously, um, John, Al, Aaron, you know, and the list goes on and on of people who, not only listen to the show, but are very active and interacting. And also, just FYI, if you ever want to be on the show, a great way to get on the show is just start talking to me because I'll probably eventually invite you on. <laughs> so if you've been out there listening, true. you're like, hey, I, I wonder what it would be like to come on the podcast. You know, just start that conversation going. You'll probably get asked. <laughs> but, um, but no, it's been really, it's just been really fun to develop those friendships. And it was funny because comic books, you know, these, these heroes, these X-Men with their their claws and their weird hair and, you know, their snickety snacks and, and all that and their spandex and everything is is all very fake and imaginative. But 
I think, like you said, it gives a lot of inroads into real life. And I've never shied away from the fact that X-Men have been a huge influence on my worldview um, you know, from when I started reading as a kid. And it's been interesting to see, obviously, I mean, I've only been reading them recently, but even your interaction is like, oh, well, that applies kind of to this. You know, right. it's been cool. And I've really enjoyed having kind of your art background as you critique things differently and you know and there's a lot of times when we land in similar places but i equally enjoy when we don't <laughs> you know and uh and that band tour and that kind of back and forth on why this is good or why it's not and you know team jason team denise but um but no it's been really really fun just having those those friendships kind of spring to life and i would not have done it without the podcast. I mean, all these people that I talked to related to the podcast that I would have missed out if I hadn't been doing this for six years. And so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's definitely, you know, and just, and seeing, you know, <laughs> you know, and just the few years you've been on all the ups and downs, Wolverine dies, comes back, <laughs> you know, Lauren takes the mantle for a while, all the changes that, and kind of the cyclical nature of comic books, you kind of in a very short time seen a lot of that. And so, Oh, it's just been really fun to have have you co-hosting with me and kind of going through these books. But um, yeah. So if anyone has um any thoughts they'd like to share about our our first three hundred episodes or what they enjoyed about the show, feel free to to tweet at me or get on Facebook and, and let me know, and you know we can talk about that some more. Well, and you can let us know the things you don't like. Yeah. Like if you don't like our banter, sorry, we're not changing <laughs> that. But right. You know, and it, I know what Pat's gonna say and do Weapon X, and we're getting there. <laughs> and George is gonna ask where the movie episode is. We're getting there too. Um, but no, but yeah, no. Obviously, if, if there's something that you think would make the show better, or you know, and you know, before we get into the books, just one last thing I do want to say. In addition to all those friendships and stuff, just thank you, you know, to the listeners that interact, and even to the ones that just listen. Just thanks, because I know. Every day I turn around, there's more comic book podcasts. Not to mention all the other thousands of different kinds of podcasts out there. And, you know, I know as I've gotten to know more podcasters and tried to squeeze them into my playlist, like there's, there's only a limited amount of time that you can listen to stuff. Um, and so for those of you that consistently take the time to listen to us, I just super, super appreciate it because I know you have other choices that yep. you can do with your time or... Even when listening to podcasts, there's other podcasts you can listen to. And um, so I'm just very, very grateful anytime you, you choose us. And I hope that you feel like it's you know worth your while and you get something out of it and you're able to interact with us in some way, you know, even if it's just listening. You know, I talk about uh, some of my favorite podcasts and some of the people I've had on here. And they're listening to their shows, even when I'm not on there. And I've been a guest on a few of them, but just listening. The podcasts I like the most... I feel like I'm sitting there with them. Right. I hope that you get some sense of that on this show. Um, that you feel like you're kind of sitting here with us listening to us ramble and you're like, hey, yeah, I thought of that or I didn't think of that. That's cool. Um, you know, but anyway, so just, just very, very much. Thank you. Thank you. This went way longer than I thought. So let's get to some comics, huh? Yeah. <laughs> but but thank you very much for everyone for, for helping me keep this going because, I mean, I can do it but just for me for a little while, but not for six years. <laughs> well, and, and I love the interaction that you're 
your listeners have, because every once in a while I'll get tagged in something because they, <laughs> they love the nonstop laughing or right. um, whatever the case may be. Yeah. And I just, when those come across, it's like, oh, wow. <laughs> People listen. They do. All right. Well, so just in time for our big bad episode 300, we have the return of Wolverine number one. He's back. Wolverine, a great it's hero. Suffolk, <laughs> strong, brave, an X Man, an Avenger, a steadfast friend, an implacable enemy. He was dead. Now he's not. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Chapter one Hell. Hashtag hot claws. Hashtag hot claws. Hashtag red lobster. Um, Hashtag cheddar biscuits. <laughs> oh, man. No, I want that. <laughs> anyway, Return to Wolverine is written by Charles Soule, penciled by Steve McNiven, inked by Jay Shh, listen. colors by Laura Martin, letters by VCs Joe Sabino, and the cover is by McNiven and Martin. And uh, they're... I got the cover in the yellow and blue suit of Wolverine busting through some lava rocks. Um, there are a ton of McNiven covers of this same pose, but with Wolverine in different costumes throughout his history. Um, okay. And they're all pretty good. What do you think of the cover? I mean, it's pretty, it's kind of standard action pose, busting through the rocks, but I really like it. So when I first looked at it without my glasses on, I thought he was busting through poop. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> Some of those rocks look a little cool. <laughs> Just a little. Just a little. Yeah. All right. There's one that looks a hair phallic. <laughs> now my eye gets drawn to it every oh. single time. You found it. <laughs> yeah, well, it doesn't take doesn't take much. You guys got examine this cover, pour over it with your eyeballs till you find um that. Where's Waldo? Where's Waldo? <laughs> Where's Where's Waldo's? Um, you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Where's Waldo's stripe? Yeah. So, so yeah, but other than that, I think it's a pretty good cover. I would like to uh, maybe try, if they're not too expensive, try to track down a couple of the variants. I'd like to see the one with, uh, you know, his jacket. I think that'd be pretty cool. Um, I think the flames are interesting. It reminds me of, um, like, wings, like angel wings. Kind of has a little bit of Phoenix thing going on. Yeah. Um, as he busts out of this volcano or whatever he's in. Um, but yeah, so we had all the miniseries. We know that Wolverine is with Sotiera. But now we see him in a cave, maybe? In a pool of blood, battle-torn, um, with hot claws. And he's in pain. Mm-hmm. And he puts his hand down and the hot claws boil the blood on the ground. Does blood boil? Or would it just clot? Um, if you have hot claws, it boils. So, blood is mostly water. So, wouldn't it boil? I would think that it would, yeah. I would think that it would sizzle in the hot claws. I, I, okay. Let me rephrase that. I know that the blood would sizzle because I slammed my finger in a door once and they had to take a hot laser to burn through my fingernail. To laser. <laughs> well, actually, it was more like an iron and they burned it through my fingernail so that the blood could um, 
be released because there was so much pressure behind it. And so when the blood started to come out, the hot iron did make it sizzle, but it also clotted it because they kept having to like, anyway, I just, I didn't know with that much heat, would it just clot? I don't know, anyway. No, I, I think it probably, like it does on the page here. Okay. Anyway, his hot claws go out and he looks at his hands. He's got blood on his hands. There's a bunch of dead bodies on the ground and there's a saber-toothed tiger in a glass cage. There is a lot of blood in this comic, folks. This is not for the yeah, faint of heart. I, so I'm going to, I was going to wait to the end to say this, but I'm going to say it now because it is extremely bloody. Um, it is extremely, and it, it's not that it's graphically gory other than the fact that it's he's literally almost every page dripping and or somebody's dripping in blood. Oh yeah, there's blood showers all over the place. Yeah. yeah. And so my only concern was this is the first issue, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so if this is indicative of things to come and we got to heighten it, right? And this is what eventually what's that red pages? Yeah, I just You figure out what happened behind the blood. I'm not 100% sure if I'm going to enjoy it. So that was kind of my first concern, especially when I got about five pages in and I literally stopped and flipped through the rest of the book to see, is this just the first couple of pages or is this throughout the whole book? And it is throughout the whole book. And so I'm just, I'm not sure if this is a book you should have young children read. No, probably not. This is probably more of a, uh, in fact, the digital copy actually says mature readers on the cover. This one does not, my physical copy. Oh, okay. But um, yeah. I'm glad there's some disclaimer because right. it's it's brutal. At least I know kids don't read the floppies <laughs> on the digital. <laughs> anyway, it's sad. Uh, we know from the the people on the ground, their shoulder pads that they have the Sotierra logo. And but Wolverine is obviously a little uh, not sure what's going on. We miss an opportunity as he pulls the claws in. We don't have a snack, unfortunately. No. We get a shick. Um, and he sees a woolly mammoth, and then there's one little slice in his side that won't heal. And he's like, hmm, <laughs> wonder what that is. And then someone asks for some water, and so he finds the lone survivor and gives him some water. Yeah. And, and the we, l- sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, the lone survivor basically kind of explains that you're him. You're 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 the Wolverine. You're a hero, and Wolverine seems like he has a hair of amnesia. Yeah, he's not real sure what's going on. He's like, "Who's like, okay? Fine, I'm Wolverine, um, but I'm a hero. I don't really look like a hero. I'm wearing a leotard, <laughs> right? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> and he um, says, "You were a great man until Sotiera stole that from you." And he talks about Persephone. Um, that she wants to steal the Earth's greatness. And Wolverine, you need to bring her down. I was working for her, but I didn't realize what was going on. And now they slaughtered me in my whole lab. But they just left. You can catch them. Yeah. But he... Like, Why am I all bloody? Yeah. It's <coughs> interesting. Even our uh, producer doesn't like all the blood. Right. Well, um, he would love it. But before... Um, before Wolverine leaves to go track down Persephone and Soltiera, um, 
the lab guy. That's what I'm going to call him. Yeah. Uh, he takes Wolverine's hand and he puts it to his forehead and he's like, just do it. Like, just snicked it. Oh, yeah. He begs him. Begs yeah. for a snicked. Um, like, you don't. Like, they're going to torture me and all that. And I, I don't really want to go through that. Yeah. Wolverine's thinking about it. He doesn't really want to. He doesn't seem to feel right. But he doesn't get the chance as some kind of grenade drops into the cave and blows everybody up. And then a giant fiery saber tooth. Uh, <laughs> comes crashing yeah. through. Yeah, that poor scientist. He got he got killed in the head by a giant piece of glass, not Wolverine's claws. Um, and Wolverine's like, oh no! And then yeah, a, a fiery saber tooth comes, um, and he gets. I was really not sure. I'm guessing maybe this is Rose. He has a flashback of as he's getting mauled by the saber tooth of a, of a girl saying, I love you. I thought it was Kitty. It kind of looks like Kitty, but why would she, I don't know why she would say that. Well, I, I'm going back to Rose, kind of his first ever love, back from origin, but... Well, I thought it was interesting that he says, get off me, Kitty. And oh. then we see the picture of the woman, so I kind of oh, jumped... yeah, maybe it is Kitty. It definitely kind of looks like her. Like, he was having this image, like, he says... Get off me, Kitty, and things of Kitty Pride, and that's where my mind went. But right. yours makes more sense with the "I love you." Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, he doesn't really want to die, but he doesn't have to because the woolly mammoth comes and stabs the saber tooth. Uh oh. Yeah, impales it, and then Wolverine sees his reflection in a pool of blood, and it talks to him because he's crazy pants. Crazy hot claws. Um, and he's like, uh, get moving. These Sochera mugs just tried to kill you again. And now they're going to murder everyone else on the planet, including people you care about. You not, you might not remember, but you got plenty. Go stop these bastards. You're a hero. It ain't that complicated, bub. And so he's, uh, he's hallucinating a little bit, maybe. Or maybe talking to his other personas. It's kind of weird. Um, every time he passes some blood, he sees a reflection of a different version of himself. He sees the Weapon X self. He sees Patch. And they're all like, Sotiera robbed all this from you. You got to take it back. So we had heard some machine gun fire in the background. Wolverine leaves the cave and sees that the woolly mammoth that saved him has been butchered. And he sees a jeep riding off. And there's a Sotiera guys in the jeep. And he grabs a machine gun and a motorcycle and decides to track them down. And the Sotiera guys go back to a compound where there's families and people. And it's time to uh, clean up. <laughs> kind of uh, purge the compound. And they're going to set fire to things and eliminate everybody. And the lady's like, no, it's my son. And they take him. I guess they think he's useful. And... A guy leaves, and then he gets sniped from the tower in a very gruesome light. Yeah, I'm kind of glad the guy was silhouetted. You know, the violence in this book is very 90s. Yes. Like, if, you, if you read, like, 90s comics, like, image stuff or valiant stuff, um, you know, very, very reminiscent of what's going on here. Well, and so this panel where the guy's getting shot and he's, you know, black silhouetted, um, it reminds me of The Walking Dead, 
But because Walking Dead's black and white, I guess it doesn't bother me so much. Right. But being in color, I don't know. It just... There were panels that were very upsetting to me. I can see that. So then they see Wolverine on his motorbike, and they try to shoot at him. They miss. Uh, Wolverine gets mad. He's like, my turn, you son of a bitch. Um, And he shoots, and you see all the shell casings, very 90s again, as he shoots at the camera, so to speak. And he hits a guy, knocks him out, and we see, uh uh-oh, it's an Omega Red. That's a twist and a turn I did not see coming. I don't know who that is. Well, Omega Red is kind of all over the place. He's an old Wolverine enemy um, from back in the Jim Lee days. Um, And he basically has like a, he has these metal coils. He also releases like a death spore. He's been around a lot. He's in the Weapon X book right now. So that kind of conflicts with this maybe a little bit. Or maybe this is a clone. I think it's probably a clone. But um, he also is recently in the most recent Luke Cage series as the antagonist. Um, so really interesting. But here he is as well. Um, and he shoots a motorcycle and blows it up. Makes Wolverine hit his head on a rock. And Wolverine passes out. And then we go back. If you remember the very first Return of Wolverine one-shot. Or... What was it called? Yeah, the Hunt for Wolverine one shot. And we end with that scene where he's in the cage just pulling his claws in and out and going, bub, bub, bub. Yeah. <laughs> well, he, he does that. Persephone comes and talks to him. And I don't know if this is like real or in his mind, but she like says, there's all these Wolverines in these cages and here's the key. And there's like just this wall of cages. And it's not just Wolverine though. Storm's in there, Sabretooth's in there, Lady Deathstrike. Cyclops, all his enemies and friends, but also all the different versions of himself, including like his first appearance costume, way back from Incredible Hulk 181. Um, but then there's one wall with three red dots, and she's like, can't go in there. And she says, I'm a friend, and she gives him a kiss and says, I brought you back to life. Wake up. But he wakes up, and it's not Persephone, it's the, the mom from the compound. And she's like, I work for them, but they're bad. But you're Wolverine. Help me get my son back. Um, and then, you know, this kind of goes to what you were saying. And he talks about the Sabretooth tiger. And he has a flashback of Sabretooth. But right. instead of saying, I love you, he says, I hate you. And so there's definitely that connective right, tissue, tissue of, of like from catch words to memories or whatever. Right. Um, and Wolverine's like, all right, I know how to fight. And I know I can heal, but I don't really know what's going on. Except for I got this one sword that won't heal. Um, and she's like, yeah, you can fight, you can kill, you can kill anything. You're like, well, should I? <laughs> um, okay, so can I just, there's a disconnect for me. Okay. So when Wolverine comes to, he acts like he has amnesia. The guy says, you need to go after these people. And he's like, okay. And he goes after him with a machine gun and just starts taking people out. And... Then this nurse lady's like, hey, you can do all this other stuff. Come with me. And he's like, okay. So for someone who has amnesia, I I would think, and especially with him having these, what we're assuming are flashbacks or like post-traumatic stress, mental images, whatever. um, He's... He doesn't seem as confused as he's acting. 
Like his actions do not seem that of a confused well, he person. He seems to know what's going on. So his, his amnesia doesn't seem to be circumstantial. It seems to be personality-based. So like he's aware of circumstances, but not aware of who he is or his past. Because he even says, like he talks about, well, they're going to harvest something in your son. Like they implanted him with something. And she's like, how do you know that? He's like, oh, I don't know. I just know it somehow. So it's like born identity? A little bit, yeah. I didn't make that okay. connection. But I, I, yeah, he seems to have kind of a sense of what's going on. Um, she gets him his new chef suit out of the locker. Um, and she tells him a story of when she met him or knew him. Um, and it kind of remi- reminds me of the old Robin story uh, with Batman and Robin where, um, you know, Robin wears the bright colors to distract the bad guys. Right. And she says, I think that's why you wear yellow and blue because people can't help but look at you. And the bad guys gonna, quit looking at innocent people and look at you. I was going to ask you if that was true. Or if it was ever brought up, uh, or is this the first time it was ever brought up? I don't know up? if it's the first time. I, I, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I think he was really just yellow and blue because the X-Men were yellow and blue. Okay. <laughs> but, um, I mean, yeah, it's, it makes sense, I guess. Well, they're also very primary. They're right. primary e- easy colors. Easy And there's, <laughs> well, they're primary and they're also... Um, Complementary? Yes. Yeah. So... Yeah, I was I was a uh, that seemed like a we're gonna pull that one out of our rear end. Uh, I thought it was interesting, but yeah, it it was kinda kinda weird. When you get a snicked as he jumps at the guy, he puts on his new clothes. Um which are not yellow and blue. No, they're so red they, and black. They're he doesn't want to um distract from people. <laughs> no. He wants to serve them food. Yeah. <laughs> But she's like, you kill people, and but you also save people. And then we see, so in his mind, in his new suit, with his new gloves, he unlocks one of the cages, and it's the old classic Wolverine X-Men costume, yellow and blue. And he's like, oh, you're going to let me out, huh? He's like, yep, I need you, the Wolverine. And he goes, I guess I'm a superhero. And Wolverine's like, hell yeah, we are. And so this Wolverine is accessing... I guess parts of his memory or personality, a piece at a time. I, to be honest, I wasn't real sure what this book was trying to tell us. We'll talk about that in a minute when we talk about the overall. So, can Wolverine scar now? Because he's got a little scar that pops up on about every page. Wow. Did you, did you see that? It may just be him healing. He's still got blood like, dripping down. Oh, okay. So it could just be blood, his or somebody else's. Um, at first, I thought it was hair, but I was like, no, it's not connected. Yeah. Anyway, the scientist sends him after Persephone, which says, but look out, she's the devil. He's like, yeah, well, let's go meet the devil. And we get a snicked. I like the little blood coming out of his gloves from his claws. It reminds me of the, the movie, the classic line where Rogue's like, does it hurt? He's like, every time. Yeah. He looks like a lion. He does. So I, I guess that's as good of a point as any to bring this up. And you... You, I know, Denise, I'm sorry, won't necessarily know what we're talking about, but um, Steve McNiven here is very, very much channeling uh, Barry Windsor Smith, who drew the original Weapon X story, and he kind of had this kind of manish hair, Um, but even the art through the whole book is very much 
I, I guess an homage to Barry Windsor Smith. I mean, it's still McNiven. It still looks like his style, but he's doing his best BWS impersonation um, throughout this whole book, which I thought, you know, I kind of came down two ways. It's really cool, but it's also kind of like, well, I know McNiven worked with Soul on the previous parts of this, but if we wanted to look like this, why don't we just get Barry Windsor Smith to do it? Right. <laughs> Instead of drawing like him, just get him to actually do it. But um, but no. So what do you think? Other than the gore, what did you what did you think of the art? I'm kind of on the fence. Um, okay. The fact that he's drawing in sort of someone else's style. Um, I'm not a big fan of the hair. And, and that's going to sound like a random and picky thing to, to pick on, but like the woman's hair and especially the panels later in the back, um, it's real, um, it's like you said, 90s, like mm-hmm. yeah, 90s G.I. Joe when, <laughs> you know, Scarlet would have like the big chunk, you know, that would flop in her face um, and it lo- always looked overly shiny and kind of greasy and it was supposed <laughs> to seem sexy and you know of course she'd this was after she'd fight the the bad guys and then she'd run her hands through her hair and then it was like perfectly back in place and look clean again um yeah that was a little weird to me um and i'm not used to the mainish um lionish a walk on the wild side yeah so i'm not 100 percent sure how i feel about that I, it's an interesting look um but i don't know if i like it but i at the same time i think it goes with the fact that here is quote wolverine who doesn't know who he is so it lends itself to that wild side so for the most part i enjoyed the art I just kind of had some nitpicky things on it I did like how the flashbacks were blue toned I thought the colors in the book were fantastic I I Um, enjoyed that Martin did a hell of a job because if you've ever experienced an unpleasant flashback when you're having a conversation with someone it's very much almost like a black and white emotional image that pops into your your mind and it only pops into it for a second at least for me that that's what's always happened and it is sort of a not so vibrant image so i i enjoyed that yeah okay well can you make heads or tails of this plot (laughs) no (laughs) i yeah i'm all for a good mystery i don't know I'm wondering if... I can't decide if the pacing in this book is really lending itself to a mystery or just confusion. But go ahead. What were you going to say? Well, so when Wolverine's leaving and he passes, like, his reflection of all the different Wolverines, I'm wondering if Persephone... Because she's futuristic, right? Or well, from, her clothes are. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I just got this feeling that, like... She's segregated his soul. That's what I'm thinking. Like his personality's been like It's like a horcrux. Cordoned off into all these different little pieces. Yeah. And he's gotta unlock them all and to make the whole Wolverine. 
So it's Born Identity meets Harry Potter's Voldemort. <laughs> A little bit. So it's Born Voldemort. Possibly. Or Voltaborn. Yeah. That's what we'll call it. It's a Voltaborn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm excited that he's back, obviously. Um, and I I do like him kind of, you know, especially when we weren't really sure where he was going to be left off after the miniseries. Right. <laughs> so I'm glad to see him kind of reclaiming the, the hero parts and the more noble parts of himself. Right. Um, I don't want that to be all five issues. You so, know it will be. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm kind of mixed mixed feelings. Um, but overall, um, excited. I thought the I, I think the costume looks fine. It's not my favorite, but I don't know if it deserves all the hate that has been getting. Um, oh, has it been getting hate mail? Well, kind of a lot of the same things we've said. You know, <laughs> chef suit with lobster claws, um, cheddar biscuits. Yeah. Serve me up some cheddar biscuits, Wolverine. But um. No, overall, I thought it was a good first issue. Maybe depends too much on what follows. Like, I got as long as I, I don't know if you can really judge it on its own, which is maybe kind of a weakness of it. Because um, by itself, it really kind of is seems to be missing a lot um, as an issue. Yeah, I. It's funny you say that. I should have just made this a graphic novel, put it out all five pieces at once. Like a trade. Yeah, it's like a big oversized, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I, you know, one of the things we talk about a lot, especially when we watch new shows that have come on, is how well does the pilot work? Does the pilot have us hooked on the first episode where we have to watch, you know, the Mm -hmm. season? Or is it like, we'll give it three and then kind of... Okay. Decide from there. Yeah, let's follow that train of thought. Let's let's separate ourselves from the fact that we have to do this for the podcast. Okay. And I'll even go a step further and maybe separate from the fact that I'm very invested in Wolverine as a character. Okay. You just buy this sight unseen. You have to keep reading it. You're kind of interested. Or if I didn't tell you to read it, you would not read it anymore. I'm somewhere between the second and the third. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of interested, especially with all the flashbacks and the whole amnesia thing. But then at the same time, there's nothing really pulling me to like, I can't wait for, what does this come out, once a month? I hope Twice not. a month? <laughs> I, it's not weekly, but I don't know if it's going to be every other week or... Okay, let's just say... It might be monthly because I may want this to end right in time for Uncanny. So I don't know. We'll well, whatever the timetable is. I I think, honestly, if it was a month, I'd probably forget about it. <laughs> it wouldn't be on my... I need to add this to my iCal so that I can remember to... I mean, when Walking Dead comes out, I know. Like, when you say, I'm going to the comic shop, I'm like, yeah, you are. Because... <laughs> it's Walking Dead Week. It's Walking Dead Week. And I want my Walking Dead. Um... Yeah, I think I'd forget about this one. All right. But I'm halfway interested in seeing, so. Yeah. I cannot imagine a new reader, like, caring about this at all. No. No. <laughs> Especially You have with, to have the Wolverine investment, I think. Well, and if those flashbacks, like, 
if you didn't know who Sabretooth was and you didn't know who Kitty was or Storm or, you know, Lady Deathstrike, like those characters that pop up, I think you'd just be like, what the? Yeah. Okay. Well, what do you want to grade Return of Wolverine number one? Okay. Um, There are a lot of things that are pulling the score down um, and I'm trying to work past them. Um, okay, you know what? I'm just going to give it three, three out of six. And here's my reason for it. If I allowed my score to be based on the gore, um, and the really hard following of where this story is going, the score would have been a whole lot lower. Um, but I'm being hopeful that this is the last time we're going to see this much gore. Mm, I don't know. That may be a false hope. I'm knocking on wood because if that's the case, I don't know if I can continue to read it. Like, And I know that sounds weird coming from someone who loves her Walking Dead, but I don't know. It was just, it was, maybe I ate something bad, but there were some panels that kind of made me... <laughs> feel like I was going to throw up. It really made my stomach uneasy. And I don't know if it's because... postpartum hormones going on. Yeah. And I was about to preface, like, just had a baby, so the hormones are kind of out of whack. But, yeah, I I don't know. So I'm just going to stick with three out of six and kind of let y'all decide on your own, like, if you like it or you don't like it. Yeah, I think my, my overall excitement about Logan coming back... And the fact that I probably like the art a little bit more than you, I'm going to give this four out of six claws, but it's right on that line between three and four. Um, But, you know, I would really love to hear, I've seen a lot of really like, oh, I'm excited about this and really enjoyed it, but not much detail about why. So I would love to hear some, some of you people who would maybe give this five or six claws. Like, give us a few lines about what you love about it. Like what, what, what maybe we missed, right? Yeah. And then, you know, for Georgie and Dan, who already told me they didn't really enjoy this that much. Um, uh, maybe when we talk again, you can talk about what you didn't like. But, um, but yeah, you know, if, if you think we're like being way optimistic, you can share that with us as well. But I would love to get, hear some uh, listener feedback on what what this issue did for you. You know, that we've got all the miniseries and the hunt for Wolverine, all that out of the way. We're here. He's back. How, how'd it go? How'd it hit you? Hmm. So. Like a bad blind date. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't that. Ah, uh, yeah, that that hit me in all kinds of the wrong ways. <laughs> we didn't have a blind date. No, no, no. I just the idea of someone getting punched on a blind date makes is really unsettling. <laughs> no, I mean that's not what I meant. <laughs> In today's America, only in Trump's America. (laughs) Never mind. I'm not going to try to explain myself. Right. Okay. Well, uh, our little snickerdoodles do for a feed. Do you want to take a break here? Or do you want to give him a little bit? Uh, We can give him another 30 minutes and then we got to go feed him. All right. So we'll talk next about X-23 number four. Two birthdays and three funerals, part four. Written by Mariko Tamaki, art by Juan Cabal, colors by Nolan Woodard, letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Woohoo! 
and cover by Mike Choi and Jesus Arbatov. And on the cover, you have Laura going, <gasps> ah, ah, home alone. <laughs> but her claws are coming in or coming out, I'm not sure. And she's got uh, gabby lines of blood on her face. What do you think of the cover? Again, oh my gosh, I'm so in love with this cover. Okay. I just, I love the different art style. I love the... Very portrait-y. Yeah, again, the 17th century Netherlandish painters like Caravaggio, Jan van Eyck, gorgeous. I absolutely enjoy it, and it's a breath of fresh air. Um, And quite honestly, like, so if you were in the comic book store and these were like, I'm, I'm fanning out Jason's covers to sort of represent, I guess, how, I don't know how the comic books look when you pick them up from the comic book store. Kind of like that way, not like a game of memory on a yeah. shelf. So like if you saw that, your eye would be drawn to this one, right? Because yeah, it's it so, for sure. it's so different. It's so oil painting-y. That it just, and her eyes are so piercing green on top of all that with all the muted colors. That's the brightest color on the page. So that's what I love about it. And her her face, like it's so dramatic. But anyway, um, sorry, I'll let you put those back into your special pile order. Well, I, I got to keep them in order so I know how to do them. Oh, okay. <laughs> I love how he's like carefully reaching over like, don't touch, don't touch, don't touch. <laughs> I have a hard time letting go. Um, Surprised anyway, he doesn't make me wear white gloves when I read his comic books. I do. That's only on the really old ones. <laughs> anyway, remember uh, the Cuckoo Sisters have stolen Gabby to try to put one of their sisters inside Gabby. Um, that's kind of where we are. Laura's trying to rescue her. Yeah, so we start off with um, <laughs> Gabby is watching the Stepford Cuckoos. There's a story of a bunch of cuckoos. <laughs> they were all clones of Emma Frost. They were telepathic. The, the words don't fit the melody. No. But, he's got, but no, it's really funny. It's the Brady Bunch with all the heads looking at each other. And Gabby's watching it. Um, it's, it's really funny. It is funny, but it, it's also very Gabby. Yes. Um, so Laura... But speaking of Gabby, she's trying to save... Or Laura's trying to save Gabby from the mental transference. And we have a nice double-page spread here of... Laura running, but she looks like she's trying to throw, like, a Olympic disc. <laughs> um, and you see these sort of electric chair-looking things that has Gabby and the Cuckoo Sister strapped in it with this sort of electronic shadow of... A lightning person. Yeah, I'm guessing that's supposed to be the Cuckoo Sister. Yeah. Trying to jump into Gabby's body. Yeah. And the other cuckoo sisters are like, it's too late. We got to get out of here. Um, they're like, this isn't working. And they're like, something's work. Something went wrong, but they're not sure. I mean, I'm sure there's lots of static and buzzing. I kind of think of like a Tesla energy mm-hmm. beam sort of yeah. bouncing around and buzzing. And, you know, One's saying this was a terrible idea. Someone else is saying cut the power. Uh, so, and Laura's trying to reach, and we get this really cool sort of electronic, like, Voldemort in the sky face. 
Um, and Laura reaches and grabs the uh, sort of electric chair halo mm -hmm. that's conducting the energy and yanks it off, and the thing blows up. Well, we see here, it like burns all our skin off, too. Yeah, it's kind of brutal. And the whole building blows up, and the colors on all of this, by the way, have been amazing. Yeah, and so the cuckoos are pull out their flashlights. They're trying to see what's going on. And they're calling for Esme, which was the dead sister they were trying to put into Gabby. Right. And then they hear my sisters. My gosh. This turn page. Yeah. This will give you nightmares. You get like gothic Gabby. And she's like, I'm back, sisters. Yeah. And she's looking like, with the head's down, but the eyes are looking up at you. It's just uh, this panel, Juan Cabal and Owen Woodard murdered it. It, um, it reminds so me good. of The Ring. Like, yeah, a little bit, yeah. Just, it's creepy, and it's it's very Halloween cool. Yeah, no, it's great. It yeah. sets the mood, and she's all, like, twisted, and she's like, ugh. And then it's funny, they ask her how she feels, and she's like, ugly? Where are my clothes? Yeah, she's like, I want to get out of these pajamas. Like, hmm, ugly but invincible. That's interesting. So then we see, this is actually kind of cool, because we see these stars, and you realize it's Laura looking up at the sky, and yeah. half of her face is burnt off. Yeah, she got blown quite a ways from the building. Yeah, and you kind of see each panel, she starts to heal. So, like, the wound on her leg, you can see the bone, but then the next panel, uh, you can't see it anymore. Right. And so she slowly works her way up. And well, I love the sound effects of her, like, bones knitting back together. Like, yeah. Rack, rack, rack. Yeah. And she says, face. Which I, I don't really know why she says well, that. She said, ugh, skin. I think she's talking about how much it hurts. Oh. oh my face hurts. Um, and then we get a cool panel. We get an awesome snick at the bottom of the page. Focus yeah. Focus on her hand. Yeah. Um. And then, so Cuckoo Gabby gets her black. She gets the gothic version of the Cuckoo costume. Yeah, that was a little weird. I thought they were all supposed to match. Oh, but she's the undead one, so. Oh. Anyway, they uh, Cuckoo Gabby asks where Laura is, and they're like, well, we think she died. She was kind of blown far away. And they're like, so go make sure she's dead. Yeah, Mindy gets sent out. Um, And so she's, I love how... Uh, She's telepathically screaming Laura. Well, somebody is. Someone yeah. is telepathically screaming Laura. So it's That's kind a of. great panel. It is. Like the name Laura is kind of outlined in like this sketchy neon white. It's really beautiful. And it um, hurts Laura. Like it's so just inside her head. Like it almost cripples her. Yeah. Um. So Cuckoo Gabby uh, goes over and demolishes her old body just touching it like falls into dust yeah and Mindy's being pissy about having to search for Laura she's like this is so stupid um and someone is calling Laura's name inside her head uh, Mindy's still walking around bitching uh in the forest but then she realizes uh-oh Laura's still alive yep uh, we go back to Cuckoo Gabby, and this is kind of creepy. Well, she's testing out her powers, so she cuts yeah. herself, and you see this long cut across her face with her claw, and then the next panel is just left to one dot that's bleeding. Yeah. It's already closed back up. And But she's planting the seed of doubt, and the other sisters, like, we all have to be strong. Mindy's not strong. 
Which is kind of creepy. Makes me feel like Mindy is going to die. Yeah, kind of. I don't know if this is Mindy or the fifth sister that's still dead in Laura's head. But one of the cuckoos is in Laura's head. Like, I need your help. You got to help us. Yeah, and uh, and she's like, Laura, you must help me. I'm she going. has a Blu-ray of the Stepford Cuckoos, a complete series. Yeah, and she's like, I'm going to show you how to defeat us. And uh, she says, I was. This is actually kind of cool. Cause she says, I was one in five, and you see like the baby picture. And she says, the strongest. And so there's. Oh yeah, yeah, we do find it. It's Sophie. Yeah, the one of the dead, the one that, the one that's still dead out of the five. Yeah. Um, so and we get a lot of like flashbacks from like Grant Morrison's run. Of course, he he created the Cuckoos, um, and you know, kind of some of their different story beats, um, and you know, uh, Esme has Esme Gabby has a plan. Yeah, so uh, they have a plan. Now wait, so Sophie took over Laura. Yeah, I guess so. Okay. Maybe that was assumed off-panel when she says, "I need your help." Um, maybe we don't see the conversation where Laura says yes, or maybe she does it involuntarily. Oh, so wait. Right here, she's in Laura's head. Wait, 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 wait. So I assumed in the beginning that it was Gabby watching, but it's Laura. Yeah, I think it is. Okay, yeah. so I was wrong. Well, it's unclear. Well, no, 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 no. You no, have no. to know now. It says, so this is young Laura. Oh, yeah. Okay. So young Laura, because it doesn't have the scars like Gabby. Right. Um, so anyway, they're out in the forest. Mindy finds Laura, and she says, Sophie? Yeah, so she can see inside. And she's like, oh, you're here. And then she goes in for a hug. But Laura still is at least partially in the driver's seat. And she's like, yeah, Sophie's in my head. And now you're going to help me save my sister. And almost like, I'm going to stab you while we're hugging. Yeah, it was real ominous. Yeah, and that's where we end. Well, I had questions about Return of Wolverine. Okay. I have no questions about X-23. No. Everything about this book is awesome. Yeah, it's... The art, the colors, the writing. The story. The, the, the twist. Um. Yeah, I, I, I have... I don't really have anything to say other than that I just loved it. Yeah. No. <laughs> I feel like we're giving it short thrift because we can go on and on about the coloring and the panels and, and Juan Cabal's art is just daggum perfect um, and tells a story through action and facial expressions. He's got the gift to do both, which is not, I mean, you would think, yeah, okay, that's what comic book artists do, but you can't take that for granted that someone can be great at both action and emoting. Right. And Cabal, he's, he's the total package, man. He is. And him and Woodard working together, that's like a dream team. This book, I don't understand why more people aren't talking about this book. I really don't. It's like one of the best books on the shelf. Do you feel, this is going to sound sexist coming from me, do you feel like it's because she's a female hero that it's kind of a girly book? No, I don't think it's that. I just, I think because... I don't know. I, I think maybe because this volume came out, you know, Tom Taylor left All New Wolverine, which was getting some kind of critical acclaim. And I think this book is getting critical acclaim. I just don't see it talked about as often 
as I did all New Wolverine. And I think that maybe it's because just circumstances, you know, is coming out now and competing with the return of Logan. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's just kind of lost in the shadow uh, for Wolverine fans. But um, but I think this book is is amazing. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what else. What else do you want to say about it, other than everyone should read it? Everyone should read it. Yeah, every everything's perfect. Tamaki's doing great. Cabal's doing great. Wooder's doing great. Fed uh, is doing great. Um, yeah, X-23 number four is a very, very solid six out of six claws for me. Me too. All right. I feel really bad. I feel like we kind of, I didn't mean to rush through that. I don't think we went fast or anything. I just, other than just gushing over how awesome everything, I don't, I don't really know what else to say. Um, but definitely, definitely, if you like Wolverine at all, or Wolverine characters at all, I know X-23 has left the Wolverine title behind and gone back to X-23, but this book is is top-notch. Well, I, uh, the one thing I do have you to say is I hope this Cuckoo Gabby is short-lived. Well, it can't I, be too long because Gabby's still on X-Men Red. Okay, because so. I, if this became like the new Gabby and it, that was Laura's new sort of like arch enemy, I'd be upset. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, well... um. Like I said, we also have a lot of cameos and stuff to talk about to round out the episode. Um, I'm going to dive into Old Man Logan, but we'll take a quick break, and then um, you won't even notice. But uh, No, we got to feed the snake. On this beetle. side of the microphone, we'll take a break, and we'll be right back with some Old Man Logan. And we're back just like that. <laughs> Here we are. All right, so I'm going to run through as much of this as quick as I can. Not because I'm in a hurry, but just because, you know, I don't want this to be too, too long. I mean, it is 300, but (laughs) there you go. All right, well, we're going to catch up with a couple issues of Old Man Logan. Numbers 47 and 48. Number 47 is Northern Flight Conclusion. Written by Ed Brisson, art by Damien Cosiero, colors by Carlos Lopez, letters by VCs Corey Pettit, woohoo, and the cover by Andrea Sorrentino. Um, on the cover, we have a black background, the logo in red, and then a white old man Logan rising out of a red, bloody mess. Um, it's a very stark cover, it's a pretty great cover, um, I think. Pretty amazing. Um, but he knows. Sorrentino has probably been the best thing about Old Man Logan maybe ever. <laughs> um, not saying that, you know, well, anyway, yes. That's not to downplay other people's contributions. I just think Sorrentino has been the highlight of the character's existence. My hot take <laughs> or whatever. All right, so remember uh, Old Man Logan and Alpha Flight have gone to Nova Scotia. To fight a giant purple plant venom thing that's taking over stuff. Um, and they're fighting it, you know, and they're trying to help the town. Uh, probably the best thing about this issue is that Snowbird turns into an actual white wolverine. Um, is pretty great. Probably my favorite part. Um, you know, and Shaman is able to 
see into the, the being's consciousness. The planet was just a bunch of purple spiny things, very much like the symbiotes, until someone came and took them over. And then the ship crashed on Earth, and they're just trying to survive, right? And Old Man Logan and Alpha Flight sympathize, but they still got to take it out. Um, they know that pesticide and fire hurts it. Another venom comparison. Um, hurt by fire. Um, Puck takes time out to eat an energy bar. <laughs> Old Man Logan tries to cut through it. We get lots of kind of cool panels of him just slicing through the tendrils and the tentacles. And then he uh, blows it up with a gas can, also burns him up. But we see a great panel of him on fire cutting through this thing. Uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, but, of course, Vindicator is able to save him. And, you know, it's funny because burnt up old man Logan looks a lot like Deadpool. <laughs> so anyway, Alpha Flight saves the town. They escape. Puck gives him some whiskey and says, um, you know, I don't want you to, I care about you, you need to be careful, whatever. But old man Logan's like, Puck, I finally found him. And he's going to go after him. And Puck's like, come on, let me go with you. And he's like, nope, nope. I'm a stubborn old codger. I got to do this on my own. Um, and the next chapter, King of Nothing. Where's your crown, King Nothing? That always reminds me of a story. <laughs> You know, like dorm stories, right? From college days. Um, so, so Cameron, he's been on this show several times. You know, a recurring flashback co-host. Um, we were roommates in college. Um, among other things, been friends for a long time. Um, we had this guy who was a great friend of ours, still a great friend, still still talk to pretty often. Uh, Johnny, whom, and this was right around the time that uh, what was it, Reload by Metallica came out, and um. We all we always kind of enjoyed playing guitar together. We get our acoustic guitars out and sit in the dorm room and just play music. And um, so I remember, then <laughs> Johnny had figured out um, the guitar part for um, "Hero of the Day," which is one of the Metallica songs on Reload. And we're like, "That's a cool song. Let's learn how to play it." And so he was trying to show Cameron how to play it, and he just he just kind of went into it, just playing it. And Cameron's like. Well, that's really cool. I think I got most of it, but can you, like, slow down? So, so originally he comes in, he's like, do 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 however that riff goes, that opening riff, the intro. And um, so Cameron's like, yeah, dude, that's awesome, but, you know, I, I got most of it, but, but can you slow it down a little bit? And so Johnny's like, yeah, 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 totally. And he's like, so he goes, do 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 the first three notes like slow so we can watch what he was doing they just tore into the riff it's really funny that story always cracks me up uh maybe y'all will enjoy it maybe you won't but um anyway seeing king of nothing reminds me and any anytime you talk about that late 90s metallica era i always think of that story uh it takes me back to that place but um yeah anyway so the art in this grew on me um yeah, and there's some really nice panels intermixed with some uh, kind of okay panels. Uh, but it grew on me. The story was okay. Honestly, the, the highlight of the story is just seeing Alpha Flight um, in action and interacting. I thought that part was fun. Uh, the rest of the story is just kind of meh. Uh, 
the plant venom purple thing not really that cool seemed really kind of unoriginal um but yeah but puck and and shaman and, and snowbird in action was a lot of fun and old man logan cutting through stuff I and mean, that's what you want i guess right so anyway i'll give uh number 47 three out of six claws which takes us to 48 oh well you know it's kind of kind of a bummer that i'm doing both of these together because i really was curious I thought the him he was referring to was going to be Mysterio, but I know that's coming up in the Dead Man Logan. So that was like, well, I wonder who the other him is. And so we're going to find out in number 48, um, which is again written by Ed Brisson. Uh, and this is King of Nothing, part one. Um, art by Ibrahim Roberson. Uh, colors by Carlos Lopez. Letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Sorrentino does the cover again. And I love this cover. It's like a dual tone split with like red and orangey and then like green tones. Uh, half of it is Old Man Logan's face and half of it is a green bald guy with a beard. And we'll find out that that is going to be the maestro. And that's the one that Logan found. So we start off with six months ago, still in Northwest Territories of Canada. There's this Canadian town. There's these two guys arguing in a bar. They're kind of antagonistic friends drinking together. Kind of like, you know, you know the, the, the kinds of friends that, that say your mama jokes to each other. Um, but then we see a, a shadowy figure of an old man. At first, you're kind of led to believe it's old man Logan. He's like, I was hoping for a fight. And then you see three months ago, and there's a, a group of families hiking through the snow, and they're trying to get away. And they talk about the bad guy with the healing factor who's taking over the town. And you're like, oh, no, what, what happened to Old Man Logan? But you don't really think it's him. And then someone comes and attacks the people. And then we go to now, and we see some of those same guys like with really bad scars. And there's this complex um, that they're guarding, and Old Man Logan walks up. Like, I want to talk to your boss. And they're like, no. And they point guns at him. And then they knock him out. They tie him up. And one of the kids wants to let him go. He says, you need to go get help. Go get the Avengers or somebody. you got to help us. He's gone mad. The king is mad. Um, and, of course, we find out the king is Maestro. And he's on his throne of tree branches. And he's got a giant. Actually, pretty cool looking. Um, the only thing I would say... Well, maybe I'll save it. But the design has a familiar look to it. He's got this really cool, like, giant antler helmet that he's wearing. And he's like, oh, oh, man, Logan. I can't believe these weenies took you out so easily. He's like, well, yeah, I let him. I was playing possum, bub. We get a double snip to see it cuts his ropes and goes after the maestro. Um, They duke it out a little bit. He doesn't do so well. Um, You know, he draws a little bit of blood, but maestro just kind of puts a whooping on him and maybe but we know not kills him <laughs> and like you lackeys come clean this guy up i'm disappointed in how old and weak he was um so the design of the maestro here that roberson does which looks really good actually roberson you know when he was on weapon x and he was kind of doing split art I think they were trying to make it look the same. We were kind of like, oh, he's okay, but kind of stiff. But his last couple of turns on Old Man Logan, his art is really fit the book really well, and it does here again. 
and his Maestro design is pretty great. The only thing I would say about both the design of Maestro and this story, you know, because there's, there's a panel where you see Maestro sitting on his throne, and he's got, like, three ladies kind of attending to him. Um, and he's got, like, fur and the antler and stuff, and he's got, like, fur bracelets and fur pants and stuff. And, and the idea of him kind of taking over this town and the way he looks, you may know where I'm going with this, but very, very reminiscent of Ultimate uh, Hulk versus Wolverine, or is it Ultimate Wolverine versus Hulk? I don't remember which way it is. But um, that story where, where Banner goes out into like the Himalayas and like takes over a village, and they all kind of worship him, and he kind of rules with his strength, and he has like a harem. Um, and then Logan kind of has to go track him down and kind of try to set the people free and, and you know, make, make everything right. Feels very, very much like that. Um, but I will say the art's really good and the colors even better, especially like the greens. Like in the maestro scenes, the green kind of jumps out a little bit and helps the action along. Um, so that part's really cool. Uh, Man, the art makes me want to give this higher marks, but the story kind of makes me want to not. And I know, like, Old Man Logan versus Maestro should be pretty badass. Um, and I like the art enough. Oh, man, see, I'll give it. I'll give it four out of six claws. Um, yeah, but I don't know. The thing about Logan actually coming back is. It makes old man Logan feel, now that he's here, even more kind of irrelevant. <laughs> Maybe that's not the right way to look at the character, but I don't know. Um, let's get to 50 and, and kind of get him back where he needs to be and, and carry on. But um, yeah, so that's that's our old man Logan catch-up. So we got lots of cameos to talk about. Or not a lot, but a few. Um, one of which is in Fantastic Four number two. Where We Make Our Stand, written by Dan Slott, penciled by Sarah Pacelli, inks by Sarah Pacelli with an assist from Elisabetta Diamico, or Diamico, probably, uh, colors by Marte Gracia, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna, and the cover is by Isad Ribic. Pretty great cover of the Fantastic Four fighting some creatures. Um, so, basically... Um, we're following the Fantastic Four around, at least the Reed Susan with the Future Foundation and all the kids. Uh, as Franklin creates universes in the multiverse, they're kind of bouncing around. And there's lots of really cool just art. This is great. Pacelli has a lot of fun with the new universes. And they talk about missing Johnny and Ben. Um, and then we meet our adversary, and she was in the void? No. Um, the Griever at the End of All Things. But she does also have a name, though. Um, oh, what's it called? It says her name here in a minute. But her job is to, at the end of the day, erase all of these new universes because they shouldn't exist. She doesn't like uh, the Future Foundation mucking with existence um they're false realities and she's going to send them back to the void of oblivion 
and um, we see some more just awesome kind of realities and universes. I, you know, I don't know if Scott was like, hey, draw this, or if Pacelli just went wild, but either way, um, just fantastic pages here. Um, so, of course, Reed and the gang are going to fight back. Um, and he kind of challenges, you know, well, you can beat us, but you haven't beat the Fantastic Four. And she's like, oh, well, okay, go get your two friends, and here's this machine... You can pull them from the realities. But Reed, he tricked her. He tricked her with his words. So he sends out this giant four and it ends up not being like a flare but like a teleportation. And he brings back everybody that's ever been a Fantastic Four. And of course that includes Wolverine. So on the last page, we have Wolverine. It looks like current Wolverine, so maybe after the return. Um, and he, he, of course, has his shirt unbuttoned all the way. <laughs> Yeah, it's a really cool panel. Um, anyway, this book was really, really fun. I won't go into too much in detail, but the action is great, and the sense of family slot nails like what this book should feel like with the relationships between parents and kids, and siblings, and you know, kind of the ex, you know the extended family that Reed refers to, but even the the one that's already there in the beginning with the future foundation and stuff. This book just has a great, great feeling to it. It's really cool. And, and Pacelli is it's one of the best artists going right now. Um, so, of course, the art is great. And Gracia's colors really goes well with her. Um, really, really good. Great book. Um, I would give Fantastic Four number two, six out of six claws. So we also have a Logan Wolverine cameo. Uh, and the Amazing Spider-Man Annual, which I need to pull up here, um, which is written by Saladin Ahmed, uh, who's been kicking butt on Exiles. Uh, art by Gary Brown, colors by Lee Luffridge, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Uh, the cover is by ACO and Marcello Maiolo. It's a great cover of the black costume Spider-Man, like in Peter's apartment standing on the bed and in the background, like a neon vision of, like, the symbiote monstrous, monstrous-like form. So anyway, this is a story in the past uh, of when Peter first got the black suit. And we have a Secret Wars kind of flashback, and, of course, Wolverine is there. Um, and the story is really just kind of a story about the symbiote, you know, when it takes over... Peter at night when he was sleeping and trying tries to do what it thinks Peter would want and beats up bad guys, but it goes a little too far. Um, it's a really cool fight with Hammerhead. Uh, I gotta say the art really grew on me as the story went along. Um, and you know, I complain maybe about modern day Venom, but old school Venom's cool and. Saladin Ahmed really just gives a cool story from the symbiote's point of view and in the symbiote's voice. Um, it's really pretty great. Um, you know, so anyway, it's a, it's a really cool story. I would definitely recommend reading it. Um, and of course, he has the new Miles book coming out. What is it? Right around the end of the year or beginning of next year? I don't remember. But um, very much looking forward to that, especially seeing kind of some of his, his spider thoughts. Um yeah, Amazing Spider-Man Annual that just came out, I would give 
oh gosh, probably five out of six claws. Um, it took the second reading for me to really start appreciating the art. Um, it's kind of a really like loose style, but and of course the Luffridge's colors do nothing but help. But but there's some really great panels. Um, I think I tweeted some of them, you know, last week. So um, yeah, pretty cool, pretty cool little annual. All right, so next up we have a future Phoenix Wolverine in Thor number five. Excuse me. Old Gods, written by Jason Aaron, art by Christian Ward, letters and production by VCs Joe Sabino. Um, logo credit to Jay Bowen for the new logo, and the cover art by Isad Ribic. This cover is amazing. We have a phoenix uh, kind of flying at Monier, but Monier has three claw marks through the top of it. It's really great. Um, it's a just one of those one-of-a-kind covers. So remember back in Thor number one, future Thor finds at the end of time a Phoenix Wolverine. You know, the, the other hot claws. <laughs> so we, have a, we start off with a flashback of Thor and Wolverine drinking in a bar and just philosophizing. Um, Talking about that, that astonishing Spider-Man and Wolverine series where Wolverine went back in time and invented beer. <laughs> they talk about meat and beer and all that fun stuff. We can get a, a really cool double snick where Thor like kind of stops it short and he's like, oh, let's hold up. We're not going to fight just yet, but we really are. Um, but it's really cool because Thor's kind of body language of kind of cutting the claws short. But then the snicks, the actual letters, like kind of get covered up, so you can't read them all the way. It's a really cool visual. Um, really pretty great. And then, of course, we go to Untold Eons from Now, where Phoenix, Logan, is, is mad at Thor and says, hey, you can't recreate the Earth. Um, you know, it upsets the cosmic balance, and they fight. Um, we get an interlude with a Dark Ego or Necro Ego or whatever. Um and gets imploded from the inside or something. Um, and more fighting between uh, Logan F Phoenix and and Thor. Um, and then we see on New Midgard, Thor's granddaughters uh, fighting the old beast. Uh, has some Kirby creatures, some old monsters led by Fing Fang Foom. And then we see... Um, an Iron Fist, Starbrand Supreme, Doctor Doom, Doctor Strange, hybrid who's gonna, um, you know, cause some trouble. So the art in this book is amazing. Christian Ward does some really cool stuff. Um, the story kind of seems like, I don't know, Aaron, like, hey, these are all the cool things and concepts I did with Thor. Remember that? Um, uh, it seems like, and please understand, Aaron's Thor run in all its incarnations has been one of my favorite books of the last several years. And I pretty much have loved every issue. This one seems... I don't know, maybe I'm just not as much into the, the future story or wasn't, I don't know. Actually, I am, or have been, 
The story just kind of seems self-indulgent a little bit. That's that's harsh. I don't mean that. Um, I don't know what didn't click for me on this one. Um, I can't really put my finger on. It just seemed a little bit like, hey, look at this. Remember when I talked about this before? Now I'm going to show you this. And remember uh, all these things that I, I wrote into the Thor mythology? Let's, let's mention those and bring them up now. Um, I don't know. But visually, it's a great book. Christian Ward is just, oh my gosh, so good. Um, actually, really, I think the first scene, the flashback, is probably my favorite part of the book. Um, so I'm going to give it a very strong four out of six claws for the art. I couldn't really, I don't know, the future Phoenix Wolverine didn't really... Just make me go, wow, maybe it should have, maybe it shouldn't, I don't know. I'll, you guys decide. Why don't you guys tell me what you think? Um, but yeah, a very, very strong 4 out of 6 claws because it's so strong visually. Um, Alright, so next up we have Infinity Wars number 3. Written by Gary Dugan, art by Mike Diodato Jr., colors by Frank Martin, letters by VCs Corey Pettit. And the cover by Diodato Jr. and Rain Barreto. I actually got the uh, variant by Javier Garon and Israel Silva. I didn't realize it was a Connect Me variant. I just got the one I thought looked the coolest. So I have this one, but I didn't get the first two by him to connect. So whatever. But this one has uh, Gamora in her suit before she's revealed. Uh, just kind of floating on space debris in a big battle. It's pretty cool. And I also love Garon. I probably didn't get the first two because I probably didn't see them at my comic shop. Um, but anyway, remember Gamora is revealed. She has all the stones now. And Loki's like, hey, let me help you. And he's like, she's like, no. And then ultimately she decides to bend the universe in half and try to make something better. That's where we get these amalgams of of characters being melded together. Uh, there's a really cool part where <laughs> between Moon Knight and Spider-Man. That's probably my highlight. Where Moon Knight's like, wow, I picked a bad moment to space. What I miss? And uh, Spider-Man says, Gamora's taking over the family business. And Moon Knight's like, who's Gamora? <laughs> Spider-Man says, just punch whoever I punch in a second. But Gamora folds reality in half. And blends characters together, which gives us the Infinity Warps. Um, and so we get some resets. Like, for example, the Soldier Supreme with uh, Captain America and Doctor Strange. Which, by the way, that first book was really fun. Really, really fun. Um, the Iron Hammer one with Thor and Iron Man together. Eh, not bad. But the Captain America, the Soldier Supreme one was great. Uh, Gamora is also hallucinating and talking to Thanos and Loki's like uh, don't mix me uh, with anybody but we see some of the other guys so I already talked about Soldier Supreme Iron Hammer we also have a mix between Logan as Patch and Emma Frost we have Weapon Hex which I think is going to be like Magic and X-23 uh, we have Arachnite which is Spider-Man and Moon Knight got slammed together Ghost Panther with Ghost Rider and Black Panther. Um, so, yes, yeah, so we have some alternate Wolverine characters here. Um, 
And we see that that's kind of going to be the new reality until they get that sussed out. Um, and Loki gets sent to the reality, goes back to Earth. He's like, this isn't quite right. He's like, I got to find the X-Men. I'm not real sure why he's going to the X-Men, but I guess he feels like they can help him. So he goes to the X-Men place. There's a dupe pool that greets him at the door. And he sees um, Emma, Emma Wolverine or Emma Patch, whatever. And he's in a white tuxedo with his eye patch and blonde hair, and he's got his diamond claws. Um, which, when he stabs people, he can read their mind, which is interesting. Kind of a cool little take on it. And he says, you know what? I don't think I want to help you. I see that your story's true, what you're trying to tell me, but no thanks. And Wilkie's like, what? No, you have to. And he's like, uh, no, no thanks. So, anyway, the art in this book is good. The story is pretty good um i think the warps are kind of be up i i don't know i expect they'll be kind of inconsistent i'll probably really enjoy some and not enjoy some others but our wolverine ones look fun um and they're part of the story so far um i'll give infinity wars number three uh really like the art and this, like i said the story's pretty cool um the idea that gamora kind of did what thanos did but instead of like killing half of the universe, you just cut it in half. So everybody's there, but they're they're mixed together. Uh, that was an interesting kind of twist on what Thanos did and how Gamora does it differently. And in her eyes, is not really killing anybody, right? Because everyone still exists. They just exist together with somebody else. Um, and that was really interesting. So I'm going to give Infinity Wars number three five out of six claws and we'll continue to kind of monitor the infinity warps uh stories and see how they go but um i'm into the event for the most part um so yeah all right well lots of fun stuff to talk about there uh some more tangential but yeah to wrap up wolverine is back x23 is awesome old man logan's coming to a close and there's all kinds of other stuff going on in the marvel universe so all that said, I hope that you enjoyed our 300th episode. And um, we'll be back soon. Uh, up next, uh, a whole got behind with the baby and everything, you know, ha having a baby. But um, have a monster episode coming up with Dan and Georgie. So have that to look forward to. Lots of stuff to catch up on with the X-Books. Um, like a lot. <laughs> I just finished reading those today. Um, I think even after cutting some stuff like to whittle it down, still going to end up doing like 16 books, which is just a shit ton. But um, we'll get through it. Have some fun stuff. Have some kind of uh, fun ideas to get through some of those books. So um, I have that to look forward to. But um, as usual, um, you can like the Facebook page. Twitter is at SnickCast. Um, show notes and stuff for SnickCast.Podbean.com. And like I said, um, you know, I normally throw those plugs out there and just kind of leave them. But, you know, this is 300. I would love for your ears to get some help kind of spreading the word. You know, I've been doing this a long time. And like I said, really proud of it. And going to keep doing it for a long time as far as I know. Um, you know, no future is certain. I may get merged with somebody else by Gamora. But um, until then, you know, kind of plan to keep doing this a while. So. If you know any Wolverine fans other than yourselves that might want to listen to the show, please uh, 
you know, give it a little share, you know, kick it out there to somebody, see if they like it. So, all right, well, anyway, um, until next time, that's it. So hugs and snicks, everybody. Bye-bye. And snacked.